And this episode of The Running Public is brought to you by us and The Running Public Training Plan. This running plan has everything we ever talk about on any Training Tuesday, all compiled into one all-encompassing training plan. It all is in there. Speed work, threshold, hill work, up, down, long run, long qualities. Everything we talk about is just waiting for you. That's right. The hardest part about creating your own training schedule is deciding what to do the next day or that day. We take care of that for you, which I think is worth the uh, $19.99 a month in itself. It's cheap, right? And you can cancel at any time. If you've been curious about it or you don't know how to put together all the knowledge we share on the podcast into your own training plan, it's a no-brainer. Where can people go find this uh, this training plan and get signed up, Bragging? On our beautiful website, therunningpublic.com, $19.99 a month. Cancel anytime you want. Bracken, we need to mark uh, February 27th, 2023 down in the history books. Why is that? Take a guess. I think you know why. Because we hit a milli. That's right. One million downloads. Mm-hmm. How many of those do you think were your parents? Six or 700,000. Mm. So at least half a mil came from the listening people. <laughs> well, my dad doesn't know what a podcast is. Tried to help him out. Mm-hmm. Download an app. I was like, you can listen to us. You can listen to outdoor podcasts. No, he just listens to the same oldies radio station that plays the same 15 songs over and over. And then my mother... If it ain't broke. Don't fix it. And then my mother just can't bring herself to try new things. So your family is holding down the fort <laughs> on the listenership. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Colleen's missed one. Pete tunes in from time to time, but he has a lot He has a lot on his listening plate. Mm. He has a very eclectic taste. Yeah. But he, I know we've talked about this before, but for those who are newer listeners, we have the home next door to my parents. So we have side-by-side homes, and I have a basement gym, so my dad comes over and works out almost every single morning, and he gets up earlier than I do. So every day, I come downstairs, because we all have our bedrooms on the second floor, and the the basement uh, gym is obviously, as the name would imply, it's in the basement. So I come down the second floor stairs, I open up the door to the first floor, and you can hear the music and the workout coming up through the floor, and you never know what you're going to (laughs) hear. It's it's different. Anything you can think of on this earth, outside of probably hip-hop and some like hard rock, anything else is on the table. You never know what mood's going to strike, Bracken. The other day he had on some sort of Afghan tribal uh, folk rock. Oh yeah, I'm into that too. That's my favorite sub-genre. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, me and Pete need to talk. I can't I can't get a read on you right now. Well, as a tangent, no. Um, uh, listeners, if you recall back, uh, one of my, my co-workers and a man whom I adore, Stephen Menya, who is a guest on our podcast a year or two ago, uh, in the gym, in the middle of the day, he plays like African tribal music, like all sorts of things that you would never be able to find in the States on like mainstream media. So I listened to a lot of like tribal, authentic, not Afghan, I was being facetious. But okay. anyways, I get a lot of that. Continue. Okay. Well, this was like if Modest Yahoo put out a album in a different language is basically what it was. It was shockingly pleasant. I, just, I don't know about shocking, but if you had told me Afghan tribal folk rock, I would think I don't really want this, but I did. <laughs> it was very good. But anyway, something like that. Sometimes it's a podcast. Sometimes it's some off the wall music. Sometimes it's... Uh, something I've never heard of before, but he's, he's not really good with technology. And that's like the nicest, most complimentary way I can say it. And so he has learned, uh, he has learned how to use YouTube. Way to go, Pete. Uh, but he hasn't learned how to use it on our TV yet. So we have a smart TV downstairs, which is our speaker system, but he hasn't bridged that gap yet. So he brings his MacBook over and he plays it out of his MacBook. And he has a pair of Bluetooth headphones that we got him, and they're great and they work, but they, he doesn't always manage to get them connected. So sometimes he has his headphones on and he's working out and you don't hear anything. Other times he just 
puts turns them off and plays it through his MacBook speakers, <laughs> which have to be cranked up loud, mm. which, you know, it's not the best fidelity. And sometimes on real special days, Pete has the headphones on and the MacBook cranked and the speakers are actually sending the sound out. It's not coming through his headphones. So those are the real treats those days. Then he takes them off. And then he tries to pause it. He can't quite figure out why the music's not pausing. And then he eventually realizes, oh, it's not coming through my headphones. It's coming through my laptop. Sounds like a true boomer. But he's a music nomad, and you got to appreciate that about about anybody. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's not, let's not detract, Bracken, from the fact that we just hit a million downloads uh, this week. And that feels – we've been eyeing it lately. We saw it breach 900,000, and then it came quick. I think mm-hmm. – I don't know. What do we get? I just saw your story. We get roughly 7,000 downloads a week. It looks like seven, eight, depending. About that, A yeah. week. And so it, it takes a while to crack them, but uh, we did it. And it's not because of us. I listened to maybe a quarter of our episodes and mostly just as a, a quality check because uh, my mic just doesn't seem to be temp- – it seems to be temperamental. Mm-hmm. So – um, thank you guys. Thank you for listening. I mean, it means very little in the grand scheme of things, but for us, it's just like we've been chipping away at this and a million downloads feels very validating. So I wanted to thank everybody listening for getting us there. It does. Yeah. There's no prize for this. Unfortunately, I, no I reached out. I, <laughs> I didn't hear back. Nothing. Yeah. That's inconclusive so far, but it, it is validation that uh, our, our greatest fear Maybe not our greatest. Our greatest fear is that we lead people astray or put sure. bad information out. But our second greatest fear is that at some point people just get tired of listening to us, at which point you have to stop because there's no point <laughs> putting something out that people don't care to hear. But a million just is validation that there's a, there's at least some interest in what we're saying still, so let's keep on plugging away. But yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for spreading the episodes and thanks for engaging. Yeah, it's true. Like, uh, like I love, let's say I love the vanilla ice cream. Not that we're vanilla by any means, but like, do I want vanilla ice cream every day or every week? I really don't. And that's what I worried about getting into this podcast is even though I love vanilla ice cream, like I, you get sick mm-hmm. of anything through exposure. I'm sure some of you listening dip in and dip out of our conversations. And that's of course, okay. I do the same thing with the podcasts I listen to. But uh, to see that number still go in the right direction uh, at that rate is is great. So, um, okay, so I'm a little concerned for you, uh, and we're going to get in today's episode, folks. Um, I am taking a two-week trip. I leave Friday. Bracken is taking a two-week trip. Is that what you're doing, two weeks as well mm-hmm. to Sweden, right? Yeah, um, Sweden. And so we've been thinking about training while traveling, I have a couple athletes who just filled my inbox up with excuses these last two weeks about being on ski trips or stuff, and I was sick of hearing that BS. Right. And so we're going to talk that out today. But before we get to training while traveling, um, I just pulled up your Instagram story as I was waiting for you to hop on because you're always late for our recordings. And something about a rolled ankle this weekend in your first trail run. Are you all right? Yep. I'm, I'm fine. I probably won't be running trail for the next two or three days, but I'm fine. You know what fine means? Not to interrupt, but I've said I've said this acronym before. You know what fine means, Bracken? I don't remember it, but I remember that uh, Colleen didn't like your acronym. <laughs> Did your mother not like it? Well, Colleen. No, I'm just kidding. I don't remember. What fine it means feelings inside not explained. When you ask somebody how they're oh, doing. I just assume the F word was in No, there. how they're doing. And they say, I'm fine. Like, there's always more to the story, right? So when you said you're fine, there's more to the story. Now, what? there's another acronym. I think the movie, uh, The Italian Job, the remake with Mark Wahlberg. They say fine stands for something like. Frickin' idiot, not I anymore. The F is frantic, yeah. insecure, mm. neurotic, and. Emotional. Something else. So it means the opposite of fine. But no, I really am fine. Okay. But it was it was quite. Ironic. Yeah. I, w- I went for, to run a local trail race because I wanted to get back into trail running. And Corey Fellows is a guy that I've worked with for a while now. He lives in Illinois. We were able to meet at this race, meet up, do the race together, and uh, got there. And it was very small, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And it had snowed and rained, so it was snowy and icy. 
So I decided, it was a 2.5 mile loop. You could do as many loops as you wanted. Uh, they scored up to four. So there's a category for one loop, two loop, three loop, loops, or four. And I thought, I want to run three, but I can't race seven and a half miles hard with confidence on my leg right now. So I'm going to run the first 2.5 mile loop with Corey, and then I'm going to run hard the next two. So we ran the first two and a half mile loop and then uh, shed some layers at the end of loop one and took off and my watch beeped one mile. I looked down at it and rolled my ankle. It was exactly what happens to you when you don't run trails for like four months and then you get careless. You forget about the skill of it. That's what happens. It's exactly how I've ate it on trail runs is always looking at the watch to check some metric it's always the watch always if i'm attentive it's very very rare as in like once every couple of years rare but as soon as i get distracted or there's an Mm -hmm. animal off in the bush or you're going around somebody shoot so the watch got you you just look to see what the what the mile split was and that was it yeah because in my mind i wanted to cut down i wanted to treat it like a five mile cut down and what i assumed would happen is i'd cut down for about three and then just try to hang on so I wanted to know what that was and reset my watch splits every time I came back and restarted a mile. So I'd have like one mile, two mile, and then a half mile split and then repeat that process. So I looked down. It was at a weird time too. I crested a slight hill, beeped, and I rolled it at the top of the hill as I was cresting it, hmm. which is probably the saving grace that I didn't have a whole lot of momentum going and wasn't you know, really cranking down on that foot when it happens. So I have two types of ankle rolls. I have the type where it happens and I can't run for a week or two. And that hasn't happened to me now in, in years. And then the second type, which is I can finish off the run if I need to. I can't really bomb anything anymore. I can run uphill just fine. The flats are really short and choppy and the downhills are impossible. But then that's what that one was. So I finished off running but immediately lost like 30 seconds per mile. Just couldn't couldn't work hard. So it was frustrating. Goes to show, man, um, skills have an expiration date if they're not constantly being used, right? And um, yep. skill work is skill work, and you have done no trail skill work in like a year and a half, like or a year, whatever, pre-hernia surgery. So it's however, or whatever surgery you've had last. It's been a long time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it has been four months since I stepped on a real trail. Well, at least you have your Nordic track. I mean, if you can go up, and as I've said, because I rolled my ankle real bad last year before, two years ago, before Jacksonville. And, I mean, there can be some real bad ones where you're out. But most of the time, even though it hurts so bad to walk on even at times, if you get into that run motion, sometimes it just breaks through what it needs to, gets blood flow. And most of, most of the time, ankles are bluffing. It's all bark, no bite. It hurts like heck, don't get me wrong, but if you really had to force the issue and force yourself into controlled running, it'll work. Don't yeah. go back getting on a trail right away. but So you can do that. I assume that's going to be your plan. You can get back to clean running. Yeah, and I think ankles are one of those things where you can use them or you can't, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't even consider using it if you couldn't. And yesterday, uh, yeah, so the trail race was Saturday. So then Sunday, yesterday, I decided I didn't get a true quality workout in in the race. I got one mile hard another mile of moderate trying to run hard and then just called it mm. and just set ran the rest of the time, but didn't work. So I only got, I want to say 13 minutes of quality. So that just wasn't enough, but I was going to have to take some days off of quality anyway because of the ankle. So yesterday I went and did a lunging and row workout. And when I was warming up for it, I started bouncing back and forth and doing a little like uh, my standard warm up, And then after like the fourth bounce, my ankle started talking to me. I was like, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. But you don't even, mm-hmm. your body wouldn't even let you hop and skip back and forth if it was bad. Totally. So I'm not too concerned about it. I got a quality workout in yesterday. It was good. So a couple days I'll be, I'll be right as rain, Kirk. But it was a, it was a reminder that the things that you think are innate inside of you atrophy. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh trail awareness and skill of running on technical terrain which it was very icy and you know how it gets when people have walked on a trail in the snow and then you get freezing rain those footprints become just the worst just clumps of missing rock basically mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how that is and yeah and that's what i rolled it on it was on a footprint so 
Uh, also, though, my hip flexors, my insertion points got really fatigued. My hamstring, my glutes, my hip flexors are smoked. And part of it is from doing a couple hundred lunges during the workout yesterday. But the other part is engaging on a trail is not the same as engaging on a treadmill. And that's obvious. That's self-evident. But it was a it was a good reminder that you can't. I can't uh, fall in love with the treadmill right now. I still have to fabricate some outdoor workouts if I plan on running outdoor this year. It's a must. It is a must. I felt that happen into SoCal a month ago because I've yeah. just been running roads here. Um, speaking of hopping in races, uh, so I didn't race this weekend, obviously, but I was very disappointed. I got ahead of my work. I was ready to do it. I looked up flights and everything on Wednesday afternoon or evening this last week, and we had gotten a big snowstorm here, uh, hence why Jess was recording our last Friday episode. And everybody's Thursday flights got canceled and pushed to Friday out of the cities. Like they canceled how many hundreds of flights. And so the prices just skyrocketed out of Minneapolis. And I couldn't justify paying 1700 bucks to get to Jacksonville or Phoenix. So that's before, you know, putting gas in the car, food in my mouth, or paying for the races. So I did it. I got ahead. I planned on racing. I wanted to give Robert Killian a decent run for his money down in Florida. But he just had to skip away with the victories, and it kind of bothered me. It's like, oh, I would have liked to have been there. I believe it. Yeah, but that's it. So I didn't race. That's why. In Phoenix, you would have got Josh Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Would have got Josh Reed. So either way, you would have had someone to throw down with. Anything else people should know? No, let's get into it. Okay. So top of mind, we're both going on vacation. We're both going big vacations overseas, different time zones, uh, different food, different environment, different climates. We're going doing sort of... Uh, an extreme version of traveling, me in particular going to Vietnam, but I've been trying to figure out how to navigate this between 24 hours of travel both ways, literally, I think it's 20 some hours in planes and airports and then all that stuff. And then with a, a few athletes of mine basically making shitty excuses for not getting their stuff done. I was like, Hey, let's chat this out. I don't know if we've done a training while on vacation episode. And then I brought it up to you and you said, Oh, funny. I was just writing my training plan for my own vacation, which consists of sniping Strava segments, really. So I don't know why you need a training plan. But let's open that box today, Bracken. Yeah. Well, and first of all, I do want to get ahead of any of the questions, which we are still going to be putting out episodes throughout this. Hmm. It'll look different. Kirk will host solo while I'm gone, and I will host solo while he's gone. And we'll probably bring in some, some guest hosts throughout this but we do intend to keep putting the episodes out so yeah it'll it'll look a little different but we're gonna keep doing it all right so for me there are really i, I think there are three ways of doing this three ways that i've done three ways that i've programmed mm-hmm. and so i guess i just want to bullet point name what they are and then we can do how you look at it and then break them down as much as we want Great. but the first one is I guess let's get out of the way. I don't know how much we're going to spend on it, but it's not really a vacation. It's a scripted vacation. Maybe it's business trip. Maybe it's a working vacation, but where you have your time scheduled throughout the day and maybe you're in a hotel, maybe you're in a conference center, and then you just have to make do with whatever you have. That's the one you hear people complain about the most. Mm-hmm. I can't get any work done. I have work meetings all day. I'm stuck in a hotel. I don't have access to trails or whatever. And there's that one. Then the second one is the vacation where you have a specific race coming up and you really want to follow a schedule, but you don't know how it's going to look where you're going. And then the third is there are no rules. I think those are the three types of vacations you go on. One, everything's available to you. One, nothing's available to you. And then the middle one is I want to follow a scripted schedule because it's at an important moment in my training block yeah that's the those are the three i i find that i deal with the most what about you no that's accurate i i I think more than anything it's like no matter what phase of or what position you're in it's like at least i don't want to lose fitness while i'm on vacation at the very minimum i want to maintain status quo whether you don't have a race for two months or you have one in two weeks it's more like at very worst i want to come home in the same fitness i left with. I don't need to change the world while I'm on vacation necessarily, unless my A race happens to follow right up, but it's coming back, not behind, I think is number one in all those situations. Right. Um, but I actually, I want to kind of dissect all of those 
but I think we should start before we even leave. Mm. What I think okay, we should let's start do with. That. Is that cool with you? Very cool. Oh, man, you're so easy to get along with, Bracken. So, leaving before or before you leave, right? Let's anticipate the travel. Let's anticipate the vacation. I know this is probably like a duh thing, <laughs> but most people are duh. So, you need to hear this. Yeah. Before traveling we talk about big weeks we talk about big workouts we talk about swinging the hammer hard we talk about big stimulus you know occasionally to move the fitness needle first things first go out with a bang if you're worried that your schedule is not going to be perfect for your training which means your highest volume week before you Mm -hmm. leave hit one of your big scary workouts extend your long run the morning or the day before you leave, hit a big effort in which you like are begging to take that next day or two off, whatever your travel requires. So exactly. So for me this week, I'm going to plan on hitting, I just told Brack and I'm planning on hitting a big quality workout the first half of the week. And I'm going to try to sneak in a long run before I leave. So like I need a rest day and my travel day. So first things first is get ahead of it. Absolutely get ahead of it. Go into day one or two of your vacation so you can enjoy it or your travel because you've already earned that. So you can settle into your new routine or your new place without um, first thing having to go is squeeze in a quality workout because I didn't bump it forward or something like that. So my advice number one is to super saturate your lead in. I love it. This is one where like if you are doing that business vacation type deal, this is the week I'm time trialing. And if possible, the night before or the morning of your flight, you get something monster in. Because you're going to feel crappy traveling. Everyone arrives, they land, and most people, unless you're extreme type A, you don't want to do anything other than relax. What that looks like to you is what it looks like to you. But you're not thinking, all right, I need to go get a workout in most of the time. And so getting something big in means that if all you want to do is recover, well, that's part of this process right now is you have to recover from what you just did for yourself. Kind of like how before surgery, mm. one time I tried to supersaturate my week. I did a, my highest mileage running week ever. The other uh, two times I did 100 mile bikes the night before oh, yeah. or the afternoon before so that I could come in smashed. That those are the type of things you do when you're about to face some forced time away. Well, big monster efforts require time away from some sort of intensity anyway. So yeah, I like pairing that together. Get ahead of it. Kind of pay the check before it's due kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And of course, in a responsible manner, we're not saying like, go so big, you go into vacation injured or something like that. That's not what I'm condoning. Right. But getting ahead of it. And then there's a second thing that you're probably not thinking of, um, in which is very much part of my thought process um, while I'm traveling. And this will be this this piece of advice also goes for while you're traveling, but also in the lead in they tie together. And I'll tell you why. So I am a firm believer that you lose aerobic fitness and biomechanical efficiency much quicker than you lose raw power and strength. Access to gyms, access to the right equipment and facilities while you're traveling typically is harder to come by than whatever you have at your home gym or the gym you go to. So without fail, do not miss your strength work going into vacation either. I mean, on all fronts, like get that in, get under the barbell. If you know, you're not going to have access to that, get ahead of that. I'm a firm believer. Like I may not do any structured strength for two weeks while I'm away because what, if I can do 32 pull-ups before I left, I bet you what I can do 30 when I get back. Like, Oh, big deal. Right. My strength probably the same. I'm not going to lose my raw power nearly as quickly. Yeah. I'll have some soreness when I return to strength work. But you don't lose it as quickly. But make sure you get that stimulus in before you leave if strength is the first thing to go. So I'm going to hit my strength with vigor. I hit a big workout today. I'll hit another big one Thursday, and I leave Friday. So make sure that happens too because most likely if you skimp on something or uh, the week leading in, it's only going to get worse while you're traveling. So don't forget about strength beforehand because if you need to pick and choose your battles while on vacation – Strength training is the first to get modified or to go if you truly are in a pinch or don't have access to stuff because you don't lose your power as quickly as you lose aerobic fitness, in my opinion. I agree. Cool. I agree. And and with strength training, I think you can microdose it throughout your vacation and come back just fine. Yep. Meaning if you wake up and do 10 minutes of like 20 air squats, 10 push-ups, 20 air squats, 10 push-ups, like every minute on the minute or every 30 seconds – 
Uh, that that's maintenance. You can get it done in five to 10 minutes a day. Wake up and do a hundred pushups. That's not a type of workout that's going to get you strong if that's all you do. But if you're already doing strength work and you just wedge that in for a week or two, you do a hundred pushups every day and come back maybe in better fitness because you rounded out something or you gave something rest while still taking it through range of motion. Mm. So it's the kind of time where you can just do token strength workouts and come back just fine. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think like my plan will most likely, I, we have gyms at some of the places we're staying uh, that look like they have decent equipment. Um, however, like circuits, like you said, find a tree. I'll do pull-ups to failure, push-ups to failure. I'll run through that five to 10 times. Like I'll really hammer some volume and then I'll do 10 minutes straight of walking lunges, literally, and call it good. I got my workout done in 20 minutes mm. and all that does is set me up. So I'm not completely wrecked when I return to my normal routine when I'm back. And even if it's for that alone, it's worth it. So something yeah. as simple as that. Uh, and I'm, if you can get all the work done, please, like, of course, that's a, if you have the availability and you, and you can do it, but um, a lot of times people don't with the hotel gym. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. The circuit style is the way to go. Efficient keeps status quo. Yeah. Well, then the type of person I am is that if I can't get my intended workout in, in the past, I will just, well, I'll screw it. This sucks. Hmm. And then I'm disappointed. And it's a loss for me that day. Instead of just going in with no expectations and saying, all right, what do they have here? Well, they have a BOSU ball and a pair of 25 dumbbells. <laughs> all right. Well, there That's it is. To work. <laughs> core exercise, push-ups, core exercise, curls, core exercise, flies, call it a day. Yeah. That's great. You can get a pump doing anything on this planet. Give me a pair of fives, and if I work those dumbbells long enough, I'm going to have a pretty solid pump, and I'm going to be exhausted. That's your only goal is just feel like you did a little something. You get a pump just putting that fight milk up to your mouth while we record. Bracken gets a pump the easiest out of anybody I've ever seen. Bracken may weigh one. Well, I don't know. What do you weigh? 180? Eh. I don't know. Where are you at right now? Eh, 177. 177, right but he looks too hundo as soon as you make him touch a dumbbell. It's pretty impressive. I don't carry that attribute. The first time Hunter and I worked out together in the same uh, gym, we had raced together for years, but when we were filming the Ultimate Team Challenge uh, for, was that NBC? I don't remember what that was on. Probably NBC. NBC. Down in Atlanta, we were in the hotel, and we were all, all stuck in the same place for a week or whatever it was. And So he, Magida, and I think Alex Nicholas and a few people and I just went down there and did a, a workout like this. We didn't have much, but so we all got dumbbells and it was a partner workout. You go, I go. And you would do, I think we did five push-ups, five curls, five thrusters, and then your partner would go. And we just went back and forth for like 15 mm -hmm. minutes and then 10 minutes and then five minutes and just smoked. And he walked up to me and he squeezed my arm. He said, that's not real, is it? And he squeezed it and said, okay, okay, that's not real. <laughs> he, he just couldn't compute that, that my arms looked bigger than they're supposed to look. He's like, don't worry, Hunter. I just get a, a really fast pump and it leaves very quickly after the workout. No, I'm not, I'm not 220 right now. Nah, it's that high T working to your advantage. That's right. But that's this type of workout. That was a what? 35 minute workout or something mm. like that. And there were, Magida's just a North American champ. Hunter's been a world champ. I've been moderately successful. Like that, that was a group of, of decently high performing athletes. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. We just did a 25 minute circuit and called it a day because that's what was available. Yeah. And I'll time cap my strength if I do it on vacation to 30 minutes. I don't want to take away from an experience, the experience. Um, and 30 minutes is better than nothing. You're right, Bracken. It's not all or nothing when you're on vacation. Um, anything else with the strength side of things? I didn't mean to start yeah. there, but the reason I started there was because of the, oh, easy. the preamble before your trip. Like, get the heavy load taken care of because then you can get away with circuit work while you're gone. Yeah. So um, anything else? The only other thing I'll say about strength is that if you are a diehard, if you are a, a gym rat or a CrossFitter, uh, almost any gym on the planet allows a drop-in. You can drop in, even if they charge you $5 or whatever. So if you really need to get it done, at this point in most states and many countries, there is a gym or a box you can drop into. And they're everywhere. And a lot of hotels have partnerships with local gyms. And I didn't realize this until I started traveling for, for uh, OCR, but in big cities, almost every hotel has some sort of partnership that they work with where they don't advertise it as much as they should, but you get comped entry into a gym or discounted drop-in rates. So always call the desk and see what they're going to do there. Yep. That's a good point. 
All right. You're gone. So I do I do want to pick up from oh, there, though. Yeah. We're not oh, gone. we're not gone yet. Oh, whoops. No. no. This is what Never I do mind. with every athlete I work with. Before you leave, you have to do some internet search. That's what I was just going to go to. You jerk. Oh, I thought you said we're gone. Like we've taken off. Well, yeah, but then I was going to say if you've done your homework then, which is – but you just – you're right. I put the cart in front of the horse. You you did it correctly. Well, we're assuming you would do it, but people right. don't. Duh. Okay, continue. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Get on Google Earth, search for tra- parks, trails, segments, whatever, and find what you have around you. And that really dictates then when if I can follow my plan or if I just have to take what's available to me. But you've got to do some research. Have a few trails and routes already written down or saved to your phone so that if you don't have the mental capacity, if you're too fatigued or if you're crammed for time, you know, I have these spots I know I can go to to get a run in. I know I can do my two quality. I, I just want to fit two quality workouts in on this vacation. And I know one's going to happen here and one's going to happen here. Now, if you get there and there are other better options, great. But have your worst case scenario planned out for, I will get my runs done here, 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 and here, or they're all going to happen right here. But it's you got to do your homework before you leave. You guys beat me to my points. It's annoying. This is so annoying. Go ahead. Pretend like I didn't even say anything. I want to hear your take. All right. So I got a novel idea, guys. What you need to do. You're gone. Yeah. No, I can pick up from your point. You're just um, you're just more clever than me. Uh, I actually just spent this last week looking at. I just cut you off. No, you didn't cut me off. You you That's got to it before I got to it. That just makes you better. All right. Anyways, they got they they heard what they needed to hear. I spent this uh, day this weekend pulling up my hotel. We're saying this region called Sapa in northern Vietnam, which is in like the jungleous mountains. It's up at 8,500 feet. It's absolutely gorgeous. But anyways, I started looking and you got to dive in and read, read like what people actually have to say, which is as important as anything. I didn't realize, for example, that Mm -hmm. half of these trails are a guide required. I can't go there legally without a guide because it's in a park. And then some Mm -hmm. that head up the other mountain, I can go on my own, for example. And you could really corner yourself if you don't do that research, there's nothing worse than sitting in your hotel room or something and wasting time trying to figure out where you're going to run or what you're going to do logistically when you like, that's not what you're there to do is to sit and figure that out. It hopefully is figured out beforehand. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's nice if you just have a list already figured out. I don't want to be getting arrested out there. Yeah. And you're right. People leave, people live, leave really good reviews on all trails in different places, you can get a feel for what it's really like. There have been trails that I didn't read the reviews and you get there and you think it's super technical and it's not technical. Or you think it's smooth because the locals are used to it and it turns out, no, it's super technical and I have the wrong footwear or I thought this would be a 60-minute run and the technicality and vert meant it was a hour 40 and I didn't bring a water bottle. Getting ahead of the game and knowing what's it really going to look like compared to what do I expect based off a few grainy camera pictures. Yeah. Camera pictures? <laughs> That's redundant. It is redundant. Maybe you're not as clever as I thought. Definitely not. Okay. You're off. You've landed. You're off. Actually, the other thing, I'm just slowing myself down again. <laughs> We're not uh, off yet. We, we still haven't packed. No, <laughs> never mind. Uh, delay, flight delay here. Um, I know just thinking about one other thing that factored, and this is another duh thing, but um, I paid more, and I know not everybody has this luxury, for two of our spots because of the gym facility. There were treadmills. For example, worst case scenario, the box has been checked. If I feel unsafe, if I can't go, the weather is terrible. Like I don't have it. Like I can't just throw my hands in the air and be like, well, I can't do it today because somebody might rob me while I go up for my run. And mm-hmm. uh, every place we go has a facility by design. And I know that's a duh thing. I know it should not have to be said. But for me, it's worth an extra 30 bucks a night or whatever it is to ensure I have a place as a backup plan um for my option the first place that we're going is in the old quarter of downtown hanoi and it's so big i mean you can barely walk down the streets there and so when deciding our hotel it was like okay where i need some an option just in case i can't get out so i just wanted to get that now we're off we're off we're off go ahead well so let's focus then on the two types of remaining race or training vacations which are one i don't care 
what I get done. I just want to really enjoy the area and get work done. Or the second is I have something specific coming up and I need to follow my script. Which one do you want to begin with? Let's follow with the need to follow the script. I think let's start because we can play cleanup easily with the other one. That's the one I'm working on right now. If I uh, get into the first national series or North American elite series race of the year this year, that comes up within three weeks of me getting home from Sweden, which means my time in Sweden is pretty important in terms of setting the stage for what I need to be able to sharpen up for when I get back. So luckily it's not the three weeks right before the race while I'm overseas, but it's two weeks that lead into my sharpening phase. So it's not for me just going to be go out and explore, get as much vert or duration as I want because it's fun. It's going to be, I am going to have to do specific workouts targeting the systems that I'm finishing working on before I sharpen up for the first race of the year. So that's exactly what I spent this weekend doing uh, during the NASCAR race on Sunday was thinking about how am I going to get in the remainder of my threshold work and my compromised work before I sharpen up and go real anaerobic before Florida. If you made me sit down and watch a NASCAR race, I'd have to be occupied with doing something else too. So I totally get it. This was an exciting one. (laughs) I'm just giving you crap. Continue. So, so what I looked at is I scripted it as if I was not going to be running. So I scripted out how those two weeks would work anyway. And then the first thing I did was, can I adjust it so that I don't have to hit anything important in the first 48 to 72 hours? So just like we talked about, I was going to have a quality day two days before departing and then on day one of getting there. That's not really realistic. I've traveled enough to know that that's not going to happen right. And if I do try to hit it, I'm going to take a lot of damage. I take a lot of damage when I work out after doing a uh, a flight across an ocean. Me too. I, so much pools in my legs that I end up destroying my calves usually is what it comes down to. There's just too much swelling in there to do a hard workout. So I can't do one for the first 48 hours, ideally. So that means that we're not flying out until like 5 p.m. on Thursday, which means Thursday itself in the morning is going to be a pretty big hammer swing. So shuffling that schedule slightly so that I hit that there and now I get two to three days of recovery before hitting my first. And then I start looking at, all right, the three, well, I'm, I'm there for 12 days and then two days of travel. So in those 14 days, the two days of travel must be recovery days. So and then the 12 days I'm there, I'm going to try to fit three quality days. Hmm? No, there was going to be two of them were going to be compromised and one was going to be just a standalone thresholdy with a fast finisher workout. Well, I'm going to flip the order of that. Now I'm going to make two of those standalone run workouts and one of them compromised. And then the last one before I leave will be a big compromise. And my first one back will be a big compromise. So again, shuffling the deck a little bit so that it's stacked in my favor. And then saying, where am I going to get these done? Because you can do lactate threshold work in a multitude of of ways and on multiple different types of terrain. And you can do compromise runs very different. I'm probably not going to have access to heavy carries or rigs to do grip work or anything like that. So again, before and after the vacation, that will be the focus of that compromise day. And while I'm over there, it's probably going to be more like a Hobie Tempo, where my compromises are going to be burpee broad jumps and lunges, because you can do that anywhere. And since I'm going to probably be running on snow and ice, then A, I have to bring my studded shoes with, and B, they have to be workouts that don't require me to go insanely fast, so it'll probably be longer duration intervals so that I can grind a little bit, but not have to worry about trying to hit a certain pace or anything like that. So again, take my plan I had and how do I adapt it so I can get it in with the highest probability of success. Yeah, and a lot of that comes back to the foresight again, the planning before and afterwards and getting mm-hmm. stimulus in before so you can maximize when you're gone. So it does come back to that too. But yeah, that's very smart. I yeah. I mostly look at it as, um, you know, the two highlight points on my week's assigned workouts saying, okay, these are the stimulus I'd like to get in. Typically, I would do them on a Tuesday and Saturday. I, I understand that that doesn't logistically always work based on where you're at, travel, whatever. So I just say, okay, these two must happen at some point this week. 
Ideally, they're separated by a few days of recovery, but these are the two that I need to research and make sure I know where I can get this done. And that the, without exception, these two things are happening. If I miss a little volume on a recovery run or I don't find the burt that I try to balance out every week with, like it's okay if I get those two pillars of my week done. 100%. And so I go, you know, yeah, if you can go off your normal script and be like, it's Tuesday, I'm hitting my tempo run or I'm hitting this, great. That's fantastic. And I may actually attempt to do something similar. I may try to stay on course. We'll we'll see there. But nonetheless, when I talk about at least maintaining your fitness, when you, by the time you come back, you're no worse off than when you left. Um, I think that's a key component to that. People often give themselves the grace to just go run, like just go put your shoes on and run. And that is okay, but not in the situation we're talking about. It's absolutely not okay. And any of you listening to this podcast, any of the athletes that pay Bracken and I for coaching or are on the running public training plan, you're probably better than that in the sense that like you're taking time out of your day to listen to us and pay for some sort of service, have a plan. You're probably going to want to execute while you're away. So anyways, the two pillars. Yeah. Separated by a few days, plan them out with, hey, what is our travel plans? What is my work schedule? Whatever the conference that you're going to that drags on is at. And just plan it out. Make sure those two get done. Fill it in. If your volume is two-thirds of what it typically is, that's okay with me as long as those efforts, those high, mm-hmm. those high-end efforts are getting completed. I would prioritize that over going out and spending three hours on a long run that you typically would, which would maybe take away from family time. Or not be feasible when you have to be to work at 7 a.m. every day. Yeah. And so on your trip. So that that's how I look at it, first of all. Squeeze those two pillars of the weekend. Yeah, I like that. And I don't think you know this about me, but I end up time trialing very often on vacation. I, I don't know that about you. For that exact reason. Well, it's 50% that reason. Because you get a lot of intensity done in a short chunk of time. Mm. You can be ready to time trial with 10 minutes of warm-up. No problem. Maybe you wouldn't want to do that before a mile time trial, but for a 5K or for the treadmill challenge, you can be ready in 10 minutes. I have done the treadmill challenge, Kirk. You probably don't know this about me either. That's that 15-minute test at 15% incline. See how far you can make it. I have done that probably 50% of the time while I'm somewhere outside of my Hmm. house. Don't know that. Well, I would too if I had a Nordic track to time trial on all the time. I'd be like, oh my God, this isn't a Nordic track. (laughs) I'm going to go use this. Yeah. So you know you're going to get a positive result. You know that if you need to, your total buy-in time is 30 minutes for a really stellar stimulus. And you're generally in a place where there's someone you don't know around you, which keeps you accountable. In a hotel fitness center or in a gym, there's going to be someone working out. You just go over on a corner treadmill and just rip. And when you are you get to that point where I don't really want to do it anymore, like there's someone in the room. I'm going to keep working hard. It makes it a little easier. So very often I do some sort of time trial on vacation and it's often impromptu. The night before, the morning of, I think, you know what I haven't done in a while? I haven't done this or I haven't done max gain. Well, I wouldn't do max gain, but the grind, the grind's one I've done Mm. relatively frequently on vacation because I want to do something longer, but I don't want to drive 40 minutes to find a good trail and then do something longer. So let's just go to the right down to the fitness center and get 90 minutes of explain that one. I may do that on vacation. Actually, I really like that idea. You run uphill and you can do it at 10% or 15% incline and you run for believe it's 90 seconds uphill Mm -hmm. and then you have 30 seconds to get off complete seven burpees and then your next round starts at the two minute so every two minutes you are starting another round run for 90 seconds 30 seconds essentially of recovery but you have to complete seven burpees so if the seven burpees take you 10 seconds you get a 20 second rest they take you 29.9 seconds you have a tenth of a second to get back up on the treadmill and you basically just pick a, a speed and you try to hold it as long as you can or you pick a duration and you keep adjusting your speed to hit that duration. But it gets a lot of different type of work done all in one session. And it's really good for a fitness center because you don't need equipment other than a treadmill. And because you do your burpees right at the base of the treadmill, you can keep it running without risking getting yelled at or someone stealing your treadmill. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that workout. It's And then every five rounds, you're allowed one extra minute rest. You get to skip one. I think you get, yep. you get an extra minute. Um, if you're like a pro level... Like you, you basically 6.0 or 6.5 miles an hour for men. 
Uh, you can take what a mile an hour off of that for women, about five miles an hour if you're like age grouper and then about four miles an hour if you're an open three and a half to four. But I love that one. That's a fantastic one. I'm glad you brought that up because I wouldn't be surprised if you see that pop up on my Strava. But Okay. So that kind of thing. What workout haven't I done in a while? Might just be fun to get it done. Even if it doesn't perfectly fit my training schedule, you just get it done. Sometimes that's the best workout for you on vacation. Yeah, anytime I'm on the treadmill and quality is involved on vacation as well, it's always at 15%. I'm not getting on that treadmill to go run 60-60 or anything. If I'm stuck, in quotes, on the treadmill and it's a day to work hard, and I have, let's have a tempo ladder on my plan, which would be, let's say I'm going three miles on, half mile off, two miles on, half mile off, one mile on, for example. It's a workout I've been prescribing a few of my athletes recently. Well, okay, what am I going to do? I'm going to go 15 minutes on at 15%, three minutes off. 10 minutes on, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to simulate my intended stimulus at 15%. I just find way more benefit out of running uphill if I'm stuck on the treadmill and kind of like ho-hum about it. Um, so you'll, I'll probably be doing a bit of that as well. Um, I'm a little different because we're so used to the Nordic track, not being able to run flat on it. Cause it's too bouncy mm-hmm. and shaky that sometimes I'm just excited to run mm. flat on a treadmill. It's fair. And then I feel so fast. So sometimes I do flat intervals there or just a flat run in order to see a pace that I never see on my Nordic track. That's fair. Here's something that is another duh thing. But honestly, the reason these two people, maybe they know who they are, maybe they aren't these athletes of mine. I'm just like, come on, like, what's your, you didn't get anything done. Like, or you made excuses, right? They didn't work out in the morning and then the day got away from them or they get back and they're tired and their workouts just complete garbage. I got on the treadmill after a long day of this and I just, I got 10 minutes in and I hated it. Of course you hated it. You had no caffeine in your system anymore. You've been on your feet all day. You're exhausted. You ate food that you never touched in your life before. And now you think you're going to go hit your tempo run. Are you an idiot? Yeah, you're an idiot. Get it done in the morning. Yeah, I called you an idiot. Maybe they know who I'm talking about tongue-in-cheek a little bit but mornings and you can say that with anybody who's struggling to get into a routine but when you're juggling family job anything your significant other sleeping in family sleeping in because they're on vacation and they don't keep the schedule that you do um yeah you can feel bad for yourself but it's really your best choice that discipline of getting up early and getting it done when everybody's still asleep opens up the rest of your day to enjoy your vacation and i don't care if you're you're not a morning person or i'm going to sneak away when the kids are taking a nap in the middle of the day or when they go to grab lunch, I'm going to go get a run in. No, you won't. You're lying to yourself. Get it done in the morning. I don't care if you get up at 3 a.m. And I may do that so we can have a day adventure. Get it done. Don't want to hear it. Morning. And that goes way, everywhere in life, at home, in your regular routine. But on vacation, it's even more true or business travel, even more true. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. But if you're telling yourself you're going to work out later, you're lying to yourself. So I just want to say that. I wholeheartedly support that message. Cool. So I'm just going to speak to the other part. Uh-oh. The part where alcohol is the purpose for either you or many of the people that you're with on this vacation. Sure. I hear this all the time. We have a work trip coming up. We're going out. We have our meetings at night. Everyone. That's, what, that's the purpose of this thing. So you basically have two strategies. If you're going to be out late and getting up early is not an option for you, you've decided that. Kirk, I hear you, <laughs> but I'm not going to do what you said. Uh-huh. I'm sure there's a camp. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then there is an afternoon lull for drinkers. There almost always is. Unless they start in the afternoon and power straight through, then there's a mid-morning lull. I have done enough vacations with people who enjoy drinking to know that mm. <laughs> this little circadian rhythm of uh, alcohol exists. Right, There is a point where people fall asleep or where they just zone out. That's now your workout zone. And it's going to be tougher for you because you were out with them. You don't get to do that if, again, we're speaking to you if you're trying to train through a vacation. If you don't care, you don't care. But then you're going to come back having gained weight and lost fitness and feeling crappy about yourself. So if mornings you just won't do it, you have to identify where your time slot is and take it. And then the other thing to do with that is you have to uh, rotate drinks at night. If everyone's drinking the whole time and for whatever reason you're not comfortable saying no to that, then you have to have alternative drinks in your hand 
as often or more often than you have an alcoholic drink. So you might start with, uh, uh, let's, let's say, vodka and soda, and your next one is straight soda. And your next one is straight water. And then you have another vodka and soda or whatever it is. You, you choose something that you feel confident in yourself looking like I have a drink in my hand. I'm comfortable in a social setting. But you don't have to go as hard as everyone. That will allow you to still socialize to the same extent, but still get up and hit your morning or be able to avoid your mid-morning or early afternoon lull and get your workout. But there's no requirement to get as drunk as everyone else just because drinking is a requirement for your kind of like your social contract on that Mm -hmm. vacation. You can drink cycle as much as you need to to get through that. Shouldn't I be the one giving drinking advice? Maybe I shouldn't. Let's leave it in your hands, Bracken. I don't. Were you a drink cycler ever? <laughs> no, but even if I was in that boat, I'd still be getting out of bed, working out, even if it, I was in no state to yeah. do so. So again, you're you're the exception to the rule. You are that extreme type A who's going to get up at three thirty and work out if need be. I'm not. Yeah, and I firmly believe that discipline in this regard doesn't make you a slave; it sets you free. Like discipline sets you free. Many people look at it the other way, and it's not true. Um. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I was going to leave that off the table, but I was thinking it um, for sure. Well, I've had a few athletes this year who base uh, one uh, one even stopped and said, listen, I'm going on this trip. It's going to be bad. Let's pick up with training afterwards. I said, okay, you know what you're getting into. That doesn't have to be you. You can choose how bad it gets. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, anything else with the... Uh, you know, if you got to skimp out on volume or you got to skimp out on something to make prior, I get like to prioritize other parts of your vacation. Um, you know, I would try to keep your big days and your purposeful days still very impactful and then maybe cut corners on if your recovery run, you mm-hmm. typically go for an hour, maybe go for 40 minutes. That's okay. Like I'll probably be doing a good bit of that. That's fine. I think, but trying to keep the pillars still purposeful and big is what I really wanted to make sure it got across. Um, anything else for yeah, anything for sure. else for, cause I know you have a time crunch a little bit today. We still have 15 minutes, but anything else you want to get across at the p- performer? The last one. Yeah. Is do not neglect the staircase. If all else fails, you can get a phenomenal workout, easy, long tempo, spicy interval by doing stair work. Hmm. It is probably the least utilized piece of equipment in the hotel gym because it does not reside in the gym. But it is so powerful. It's such a good tool. So even if you had a race seven days after you get home and you have to get some VO2 max work and you really need to, you can get that down on a staircase and you will not race any worse for it. Also, this didn't spark a thought for me, but it's one I should have said earlier. And I agree with that, by the way. I think that's good advice. I didn't think about that, but for sure. Um, If your metrics aren't the same on your vacation, it's okay. If you feel a little junky or sluggish because you're mm-hmm. eating different or not getting enough sleep, do not overread into your metrics. Um, I've had some vacations where I just feel like junk. Like it's just a few nights in a row without enough sleep and travel and eating differently. And like I just don't feel well. Like don't kick yourself. Like get the stimulus in. But if your res- if your metrics aren't where you believe they are, you're not getting worse. You don't suck. Suddenly you haven't lost fitness. Like just being out of your element and your routine and – you're not in homeostasis anymore, like pretty normal. I mean, I've, I've nailed some good ones on, on travel as well, but at the same time for every good one I've nailed, I've laid an egg as well. I think my intentions are good mm-hmm. and I think I feel good. And then I get midway through my hill repeats and I'm like, Oh my God, this is terrifyingly awful. That can happen. So I, I don't know. Yes. You want to stay the course, but I really try not to put too much stock into my metrics especially if I like notably just don't feel like myself, that will happen. Um, it happens to me once in a while anyways. So, um, question for you, what, uh, something I'm really waffling over right now and I can't figure it out. Hmm. What shoes to bring? Oh, I mean, you're both, we're gone for two weeks. So glad you asked. I know you are. How you make the shoe decision when you're trying not to overpack or you don't have that much room, but shoes take up a lot of room. And I'm like, well, I'm definitely going to be trail running, but I can bring one pair of trail shoes, something middle of the road. I could do a long run in it. I could do spicy work. When you get to the roads, it's like, I got flashy shoes. I got recovery shoes. I got, I got a golf club for every shot, right? And the same goes for shoes. 
How do you make that decision on what shoes to bring? You just bring one pair and wing it and that fine? Is that, or what do you do? I almost never do that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I generally have two with me. Two? Uh, I think the easiest way around this is you bring an all-purpose shoe that you can run long, you can run trail, or you can run road in. So for me, sometimes that's a speed goat or a challenger. Mm-hmm. I can run either in those. They have enough trail to run almost any trail outside of really muddy. And you can run on the roads just fine in those. For some, that might be like the Tecton X. You can yep. do that. Uh, there's so many different types out there. And I generally will wear that on the plane. So that's one pair of shoes there. Because my casual shoes generally take up less space. And I can squish them in anywhere. And then you can always take a pair and tie them onto your carry-on. Just like track in high school mm-hmm. and college with your spikes hanging out of the back of your bag or whatever you're doing you can have a pair of shoes dangling on the straps of your backpack and no one ever says a thing about that but i look at uh sometimes i get away with one but usually uh, i have a a trail shoe and uh, an other purpose shoe and if it's like vietnam or somewhere like that where it's wet you have to have that shoe that can handle so you're going to need like I assume you're going to bring a a Max or an Ultra or an Extreme 2 or something like that to handle the Vietnam jungle. And then you need another shoe for running your road. So, yeah, there is no way around that. All right. I was curious. I'm going to bring a pair of Speed Goat 5s for the road or trail. I wasn't going to bring a super aggressive trail shoe, though. That was going to be it. I was just trying to figure out if I want to bring a spicy shoe to get quality work done on the roads or if I just have to leave that alone but anyways I, I that's a big one i waffle over that every time i go on vacation that one's it's a sticking point for me <clears throat> but yeah i i went down to uh costa rica a couple of years ago and oftentimes what i will do is if i think i'm going to use something like that i'll bring a really old pair so I brought an old pair of Reebok All-Terrain Supers along where if I run technical terrain or trails or anything like that or it's really wet, that shoe drains well, it's light. And if I have to leave it behind because we buy more stuff down there, come back with more than we left with, I can just toss that shoe out. It's almost outlived its life anyway mm-hmm. or you know, donate it down there or whatever it's going to be. And it was so slippery in the jungle because uh. of that Reebok rubber on there. But uh, then in Arizona, I brought one down and did a ton of mileage in that thing. So it was perfect. So sometimes you uh, you just bring the wrong shoe anyway. But yeah. yeah, I generally bring at least two. I might bring three. We'll see how that stacks up. But So I'm going to have to bring at least two. For sure. Because I have to bring something studded for Sweden. Because they're up. They're up. Like you can see the northern lights where they are. They're up near the Arctic Circle. So I need a studded shoe. You're not escaping winter by going, are you? No, no, I'm not. Mm-mm. It shouldn't be miserable up there. It shouldn't be much different than this. But they, I mean, they're high up enough that they don't plow. They just pack down the snow. Mm. Wow. You're in for an adventure. Talk about accepting slow metrics while you're on vacation. <laughs> you're going to be in that boat for sure. Oh, yeah. So I'll have a treadmill shoe and a studded shoe. That's what I'll bring. I think also, no matter what camp you're in, uh, training seems extra laborious, right? Like you're, oh, like I just want to get to the day or I have to get to my work meeting or whatever it is. And it just seems like extra weighty, like an extra like, oh, I wish I didn't have to because you're emotionally invested in your trip or whatever it is. And so I often feel that way. Like this is just a means to an end so I can get to the rest of my day. Uh, The big thing... I think is important is take advantage of wherever you're at. Again, another dumb moment, but people overlook this and make it an experience. So make whatever your workout is for the day when available an experience. You're going to, the best way to experience the world is on foot. The way you absorb any new place, whether it's running in the city somewhere or you're out on a new trail, just look at it that way. Try to chase an experience with your run. Even if it's maybe me running through the markets of Hanoi and getting looked at like I'm crazy and dodging people and it could be miserable, but it would be an experience and that's going to keep me engaged. And so I really just think it's important to make it experience oriented instead of just like out my hotel room, out the door, down this busy street, right next to the highway on the frontage road. Ugh, like that sucks. That's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Three days into your trip, you're not going to look forward to that and you're going to be like, screw this. You kidding me? 
I'm running down that dumb frontage road again. So if you can make a few experiences in there, because it just seems to make the longevity of your training well gone. Yes, it t- might take a little more time, but I think it's important when you're traveling. Yeah. And I think that's that third type of person who doesn't need to keep to a plan. I just want to get work done. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with looking at it like running camp. When you go away to running camp, you rarely look at it and say, well, they're going to do a different type of quality work than I'm used to. So I don't know if I should really follow it or should I ask to do my own thing? No, you just immerse yourself in the experience. And sometimes you run two or three times a day. And sometimes you run nothing but trails and like moderately hard all the time. Or if this was at, at, at altitude or in the mountains, you just run big vert every single day for three or four or five days or a week at some of these camps. And then you come back and get back to life. And that's considered acceptable. No one looks at it and says, well, that's bad for your metrics. That's the experience of being there. And there is some beauty and power to doing that. Again, when we went down to Arizona last time, I don't know if you remember, but I just decided I'm going to get as much vert as I possibly can while I'm here. And I drove out to the to the mountains and I just ran every day that I could and explored. And then one day I wanted to do a workout. So I had found a climb that I really liked and I did it a couple times as a workout. But I just ran vert knowing I would never run vert like this back to back to back in the real world. But I'm not in the real world right now. Exactly. I'm out here in this warm, dry climate that I don't get to experience very often. And so I'm going to immerse myself in these mountains until I'm forced to get back on a plane and go home. Yeah. And I think we're, you know, we're kind of speaking to the vacation crowd a little more than the work travel crowd. If you're the work travel crowd, my guess is you probably have a system down, at least for the most part. I have a handful of athletes. I don't know about you, Bracken. I don't know how they do it. It's like every week yeah, they're a, somewhere. It but takes they make, a type of person. Man, I respect that grind. But we are, I mean, all these rules apply if you're traveling. If you're a rare travel for work person, maybe you travel one week every few months or something. Uh, I think all the rules still apply. Um, as we're looking at the clock here, any other bullet points we got to hit? No, I, I think it's more building on top of what you said with explore it, immerse yourself in it. There are times where you want to go on a hike with people or family And in an hour or two of the hike, you can only get two or three, four miles away from the trailhead. Use those opportunities to to explore. If you know that's going to happen or you get done with a hike and think, man, that would have been cool. That's the next spot you run the next Mm. morning. Or you search out your hikes for the family with your runs that morning. Go out and explore. Or if there's a place to see. Uh, The last time I was in New York City, I don't love big cities. I just really don't anymore. But I was staying down uh, in a in I guess you would call it the Chinatown district. It was a very it was a completely Asian section of the city, mm-hmm. down over by City Field. And afterwards, I went for an extended cool down through the streets, and had an awesome afternoon. I just ran everywhere I wanted to go. I still had my stuff on from the race and just ran. Eventually, found some food. Grab that. I needed a few, uh, I needed like deodorant and something like a toothbrush. I grabbed that and just jogged around with a little running backpack on with my stuff in it and got like seven and a half miles of probably like 11 minute per mile average running. Cause I was stopping mm-hmm. all the time and crossing streets and something looked interesting. I ran over there and it was probably the most rewarding afternoon of travel I've ever done solo in a big city. Cause instead of just saying, uh, this isn't for me or I don't know what I would do here. I just ran it. And it really enhanced the experience. And we've done that in Hawaii. We did that in Costa Rica. Macaulay and I did that in Dubai. We decided to just run the canal one day. And we just, you know, drifted through the city, seeing things. But I never would have saw all of that on a walk or a hike because you don't have enough time to do it. So it can be your main sightseeing uh, opportunity. It's just go for runs. You can authentically experience more on your feet than any other way. So use them that way. That's how I feel. Yeah. Was that Leon who talked about that? I don't Leon Somebody, when we, somebody we talked about that with. The first thing he does when he lands is he finds someone to take him on a long run and show him all the spots he needs to see in the city. Hmm, I love that. I think if you're, even if you're in either camp, but the camp that's like, hey, I want to stay fit, but I don't need to stay on a gender. I don't have a race immediately afterwards. Is It is, and I do this often, and I may do it a few times when I'm away, is like, uh, just put your shoes on, head out the door and have no real plan. Your body will tell you what it wants to do. Some of those days, if you're one of those, like if you're feeling it, 
go run hard and turn it into a 20 or 30 minute threshold effort in the middle or do a fart lick like your body will probably guide you into it and that's okay to not like not have a plan every time you put your shoes on as long as you're putting them on like eventually mm-hmm. you'll crave a hard effort or you feel gross from dinner and drinks the night before and you're like i just need to work like then it'll yeah. come to you pretty naturally so don't don't overthink it um it's okay to to run that sort of scheme if you are not specifically training for something like bracken might be um when he gets back yeah i think if i had to say the single most common type of run i've done over the last 15 years on vacation is some sort of cut down or or uh or bringer home type workout where i've gone to run a loop or an out and back and somewhere along the way i just start picking Mm -hmm. it up and it's fun and i'm in a new spot and just just start ripping a little bit and depending on how late you want to push that into the run or maybe do it for 20 minutes and then calm back down and don't have a full hard day, you can do that three or four days in a row on vacation with no real consequences. That's probably my most commonly done run is just spirit says pick it up and I pick it up. And hey, a progression run is always productive. Any run that you start out and decide to compound always. home the last 20 minutes, always going to move the fitness needle. You're going to spend a lot of time in threshold. And it's going to be productive. So I think that's like the fail safe when you're on vacation. Just like start easy, progressively get harder, yeah. pound home. You could do that two, three, four times out on vacation and come back with maybe even improved fitness. So um, I know you got to run. So exactly. anything you need to wrap, it's, it's nice that you have to run. I just bought us a few more minutes. Oh, did you? Well. Yeah, that's what I was doing. On it's my nice phone. when you're the one who has to like make us cut, cut it, the conversation for a change. You're welcome. Yeah. I'm just waiting for you to start showing up like two minutes late every time. No, um, if you're not early, you're late, Bracken. My father taught me that. Well? I was going to make some sort of technology or podcast <laughs> joke, but I didn't have anything. It's a tough one to spin that way, isn't it? All right. Well, we have one more recording together before you're gone out of my life for two full weeks. Have you have you officially told the athletes you work with? No, no, no. I'm going to. No, I'm going to send out a a plan of attack email this week to what expectations, what, what they can expect from me, what I expect from them while I'm gone. But, um, so am I the fireman? No, I mean, I guess I could make you, I could make you the fireman. I'll still be checking email and I'll still be checking email and putting out fires. I just can't promise it's going to be prompt. Um, and then you leave, I get Mm -hmm. back the week. So I'll be back to schedule the week of March 20th. And then when do you leave? I, we fly out, March 22nd in the evening. So we might be able to, rec- we will be able to record at least a training Tuesday together, but then you're gone. For- so we are going to go one time, maybe we're going to have like a four or five week stretch. Where we're both not on the same podcast other than maybe one recording. Yeah. Whew. And you know what? If I really just miss it and miss you, I can do one while we're in school. Oh, don't, don't trouble I might yourself. just say, just like a, a quality day, I may wake up and say, I need it. Oh, well, in that case, then just whisper in my ear, Bracken, and I will make it happen. Um, thank you guys for one million again. Mm-hmm. That means a lot to us, so appreciate you guys listening. Uh, still regularly scheduled program, though, with an interview this week, so you got us both for now. That's all right. Here's to the next million. Woo! Woo!